0: one and thank you for listening to brain fruits the podcast on women changemakers i'm your host hannah becker and today i have the great pleasure to introduce you to jenny romano welcome jenny it's just such a pleasure to have you i just want to point out that jenny really holds an impressive set of degrees ranging from a master in management from the hsc where she studied business sustainability management to the university of Cambridge. She focused on on getting into tech quite early. You were with Salesforce and Google before you co-founded now the newsroom. And the newsroom is a tech company that focuses on fighting misinformation and promotes plurality of thought online. Thank you for joining us today, Jenny, and welcome to the brain foods podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your Sims experience and your startup trajectory to date?
1: Good morning, Hannah. Thank you so much for hosting me. Uh, I was was born and raised in a super tiny town in the center south of Italy. Um, And from that tiny town, I always had this uh, this hunger to be exposed to diversity. Um, like It it can be of culture, of of thought, of background, you name it. But I I always had this uh, this eagerness. And this led me to study first in uh, Milan in an international course where I studied economics. And then as you were pointing out, uh, I headed to Paris. And then actually through my SEMS experience uh, to Lisbon as well, where now the newsroom is, is headquartered. When I moved to Google, I was working with some of the largest advertisers in uh, in Southern Europe. Uh, and I tried as much as I could to be in touch with startups as well. So I. Entered startups focused on on the on UN SDGs through uh, the Google for Startups program, and always had this itch a little bit in my in my head around around entrepreneurship. And so this paired with honestly a very big frustration towards towards misinformation and a passion for using tech for good uh, then led me to uh, to start the newsroom.
0: And I think the newsroom is so interesting, like there's a recent interview by the BBC Future Now that hosted a panel of 50 experts in, uh, it was in early 2017, so a little bit of time ago, but they ask, what are the grand challenges we face in the 21st century? And interestingly, they named the breakdown of trusted information um, as one of the major challenges. Jenny, can you tell us a little bit about what is the problem with our information sources? I mean, now, especially with COVID, this is a challenge that pops up in the news.
1: So we would probably need a couple of days to talk about this, uh, but I will try uh, to to, to give you an answer looking at a few elements. Um, I generally tend to put them in three boxes, uh, namely misinformation, information overload, and polarization. Um, and let me build a little bit on this on the one hand uh, the platforms where we consume news where we engage with it are very often designed to drive us further apart rather than closer together since they show us content that tends to polarize us and tends to agree with what we already believe in um, rather than exposing to a plurality of opinions which Which is what would probably happen if instead of spending time on social media we would go to a public square and engage with people in in a normal setting let's say there's also an element around the incentive system so if clicked and engagement are the one metric that measures the efficacy of news because they are the drivers of, of revenue when this comes from from the move to digital then basically we create the incentive to have outrageous communication that basically talks to our inner fears and worries. And I think COVID was, was a great example here. Um, since people are drawn to it and they tend to engage more. And so th- there is an element of, of the incentive system that is currently in place that from my point of view needs to be, uh, needs to be tackled. Paired with this, there is actually the misconception about free information. So the Internet brought about incredible progress in millions of ways. We probably would not be able to go around town without Google Maps, and we probably would not be able to keep in touch with our friends from Brazil without social media. But also it did commoditize information. So 20 years ago, if you wanted to read the news, you would go to a newsstand, buy a paper newspaper, Pay and get the information you wanted. And now we expect to have everything online easily and most importantly, freely available. So this compared with the the, the sheer volume of information available, decreases the perceived value of news. Now, luckily there are promising trends. So if you uh, take into account the overall number of people that do pay for news between Mm -hmm. 2015 and 2021, it increased by 70%. But there is still a very long way to go. Misinformation and disinformation are free. And so in terms of global reach, there is a clear discrepancy in terms of the amount of people you can reach. And so all of this basically creates the three points we were talking about. So the misinformation, the information overload, and the polarization are all results of these dynamics.
0: Disinformation and misinformation popped out. That's not the only word that um, popped out. There's also, uh, I don't know if you remember, that was before COVID, but we already had a concerning uh, development here. Like I remember in uh, 2016, I think the Oxford Dictionary selected post-truth as the word of the year. And that tells you a lot because post-truth really means that objective facts are less influential in shaping opinions, public opinions, than when um, when we correlate that with emotions and personal beliefs that would be influential to, to a public opinion. What do you think happened to this word that was selected in 2016, post-truth?
1: The concept of post-truth is it, it, it's very much uh, relevant today. If we post-truth is 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 basically the result of misinformation and disinformation paired with honestly a very big worries around everything that's happening around us
0: you're touching already here on um on exactly what i wanted to ask you next like the risks associated with misinformation and disinformation and especially how either does affect our strive towards an inclusive Um, economy of of well-being what is the difference between misinformation and disinformation how do um, each of these kind of hamper our strive towards inclusivity so
1: the difference between misinformation and disinformation is pretty much intent so misinformation is any sort of false information that is spread regardless of your intention to mislead the person you're communicating with in the first place. So if you're spreading around information that is wrong, but maybe you don't know it is wrong, uh, like we have to meet at seven and instead I tell you that we have to meet at eight, then that is technically misinformation. Of course, I'm picking a very simple example, but uh, that's pretty much uh, what, what it is. Disinformation, on the other hand, is deliberately misleading or biased information. So I am sharing incorrect information with you, yeah. manipulated facts, manipulated data with the intention of misleading you. So yeah. the purpose that I have with, when I communicate is basically the difference between misinformation and disinformation. Now, both are very dangerous not only towards building an inclusive economy, as, as you were saying, but towards building an inclusive society overall, and, and then towards preserving the health of our democracies. Yeah. Uh, with, with misinformation and disinformation, public debate deteriorates. And if there is no debate, there's no democracy. And so yeah. this is the fundamental uh, problem that, that we have right now. And you see it everywhere. Like, Conversations get uh, very heated very fast. Polarization is rising. And it looks like there's no common ground to start having a conversation from when yeah. you meet somebody you don't necessarily agree with at 120%. And this is exactly the result of what, what we call the post-truth era. So we don't know what's true anymore, and what we can trust, and we are overloaded with so much information every day that it gets increasingly difficult to, to cut through the noise and stay informed, but not stay, not, not get overwhelmed by it. And so this is the dynamic that I see, but it is absolutely crucial to tackle it if we want to preserve the inclusive, actually preserve and keep building the inclusive societies that we need for, for the world at the end of the day.
0: I always think about the story of um, Babel to some extent when people start listening to one another it's difficult to build a tower together right where people don't just don't even realize that we're all in this together and we're all trying to build a tower together Uh, we're not trying to have one person building a bigger tower than the other one that doesn't won't work in the long in the long run but it is quite interesting to see that this like fake new ecosystem they really prey on some. Deep human instincts. I mean, misinformation, disinformation can be very much used to trigger what is in humans' primal quest for for success and power, right? Like their survival instinct. How can technology be used here? Like, for example, particularly AI to promote fact-based news sources.
1: So technology nowadays has has reached an incredible level of of sophistication in a series of applications and uh, ai and news is is one of them i'll tell you a little bit about what we did uh with the with the technology and then we can we can build on it what we did was pretty much starting from a research phase yeah. in which we uh, spoke with with, with a, a series of uh, of professionals, and some of them were uh, specialists in ethical journalism and so basically the the question we asked was look let 's say I am a human being, I have an article in front of me. What should I look at when I want to assess uh, if what I'm reading is trustworthy, is it, of high quality, et cetera, et cetera. And then basically from these conversations, we extracted insights, and then we applied technology to it. So once we had the elements that we agreed on and they are uh, the source, the, quality, the average quality of the source, the um, presence or lack thereof of information about the author, the quantity and quality of references the article uses, and last but not least, the key claims it's making and how they cross-reference online, but also how information is positioned. And that speaks very much to the point you were raising around the way we communicate. So is the article very biased? Is the article um, potentially clickbait? And once we had these elements, we then applied AI and NLP them to be able to scale them at at, at at a much higher speed than my own brain would be able to wow. uh, to do it
0: Wow I've never heard about this approach it's so cool
1: <laughs> it, it, it was really cool and it was it was honestly very enriching for us to start from the problem problem statements and start speaking with people that are experts in this and we deliberately started with very much a research approach okay let's see what's out there and how we can frame our thinking around this Uh, once we had the elements and we decided to scale them with technology uh, then when you start doing things you really realize that the potential that ai has because it's incredibly powerful it can do so many things in, in in a certain amount of time that honestly you alone would not be able to do and this is but a very very big caveat here it does not mean that ai substitutes our brains when we're reading the news no it does not or or, or when we're taking any other sort of decision business decision or assessing health data whatever it is ai does not substitute humans this is very important
0: i think that is a very um, important point to highlight because it's a lot of fear around that like oh is ai uh, is AI doing something to our brains here or not? And that is, um, <laughs> it's often kind of almost a bit uh, humorous, I must say, when I when I listen to some of the worries. Exactly, and and like
1: I, I understand the worries, and they're they're definitely there. They need to be taken into account, but. Good AI is the AI that helps you take decisions. For example, when when I was telling you about the key claims, what what our technology does is you have an article in front of you, it extracts the key claims and it cross-references them online. So if you had to do that by yourself, you'd be reading an article, Mm -hmm. summarizing it in your head, go to a search engine, start searching for whatever it is, read other articles, and then understand if there is an agreement on the issue at stake. If you have an AI that does that for you, then you can make up your mind about whatever it is that you're reading about, but you do have the tools in front of you that basically tell you what's happening online. Because otherwise with once again, the information overload, like you basically need 10 hours a day to read the news and nobody has them unfortunately yeah, no, one,
0: no one has that time no i mean that's that's really also also the thing our brains are not wired to take in so much information and make the cross references, especially in this time of our information overload so i think that's <clears throat> really really important to mention here um a lot of experts are also i mean not so uh, positive uh, out I must say, like some say that technology by itself cannot improve human nature all that much. Um just because they say, well, the problem with misinformation really shows that um, we can kind of get out the worst side of human nature. What do you think is, is tech really the answer here? Yes or no? So more tech just for the sake
1: of it is not the answer but good tech can be very much part of the solution for, for basically everything we discussed so far. So there, there is actually a, a growing trend and movements among, among technologists towards building humane technology, which is basically technology that is, that is socially responsible, that knows that it can have good sides and bad sides. And most importantly, like prioritizes the good side of it, it prioritizes having a good impact on society and on the world. And at the newsroom, we want to fit, of course, in in that scenario. So our technology is not built to replace human nature or to change human nature, but it is built to support us in the quest we all have to better understand the world and make up our own opinions from from the reality that's, that's around us. And The point here is exactly not building technology for the sake of it without really questioning what type of effects it will have on society. Um, This this type of approach from from my personal point of view is very questionable. But building technology that can have good impact and that was designed from the get-go with that impact in mind, from my point of view is good. And it can help us uh, fight misinformation and many other of of the big fights we have. in the world nowadays
0: to me it sounds like you're on a really 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 cool mission with the newsroom having thank you yeah no i think it's really impressive like also pushing out there that ai can be used for a good cause and also outlining, you know, what it can do and what it cannot do. It's not there to substitute a human, it's just there to help us really filter the right information that we need in order to come up with our own judgment. And that is still something that is up to us, right? Like learning to get a 100%. bit more critical thinking and learning how to assess information in the right way is something that AI cannot do for us. Having heard about your success story with, with the newsroom and um, your startup trajectory to date. What are some of the recommendations that you would have for um, professionals that would would either work with data and information to prevent biases and ensure plurality of thought?
1: So I will not be solving this uh, right now. Um, You also need to hear too many voices around this. But so if you want to read about technology and explore how it can be used for good, then there are a few books that I would suggest. Um, One of them is called Positive Computing um, by Calvin Peters. Uh, Another one is actually called Moralizing Technology, which I think is is very much in line with with what we talked about. Also, there is a book around uh, information, which is called The information So if I had to give one piece of advice, I would genuinely look around and understand what you're either very, very passionate about or frustrates you greatly Mm. Uh, because you need that motivation to keep going. You're going to have very good weeks and you're going to have very bad weeks. And when you have the bad weeks, you need to go back and ask yourself, why did I start this again? And you need to have an answer, because if you don't, then you're pretty much going to quit and go have a coffee somewhere because it can get very difficult and very intense.
0: I like that you're saying not only, you know, passionate, but also what frustrates you very much. Because a lot of my podcast guests they point out, like, you know, follow what gives you energy and um do something that you're very passionate about, but it can also be something that you're very, really, very really annoyed about and that you really think is a big problem. So I like that you point that out.
1: Yeah, like honestly, with with the with the newsroom, I've always been very much a news geek. I've always read the news uh, like a mad woman, but Misinformation frustrates me incredibly because I, I cannot have conversations anymore with people. Like they, people start insulting each other, things it's super heated, and that's insane. Like I, I love debating, I love speaking with people, yes, and so it's if you look around, this doesn't happen as often as it, ha- as it happened in the past. And yeah. so, honestly, the newsroom is, is very much the fruit of a passion, but also a very, very big frustration <laughs> of mine, and actually of, of my co-founders um besides all of this uh, there is a very very big priority on keeping yourself sane so i know there is a very big hustle culture working 20 hour hours a day etc etc but you do need to sleep you do need to exercise you do need to take care of yourself so if you want to start this um read books like why we sleep to understand that if you don't sleep it's really really bad for you exercise prioritize yourself i know you're Whatever project you're going to start is going to be your baby. But without yeah. you, the baby is not there. So yeah. it, it, it's very much a priority for, for everyone. I'm not perfect in that, very far from it, but I do try my day.
0: That is a great recommendation. And I like this um, story that you're telling about also when it just becomes your baby, you need to like nurture yourself in order to be able to nurture your, your baby. Where can listeners learn more about the newsroom?
1: So well, they can head to our website, which is thenewsroom.ai, follow us on LinkedIn, Mm -hmm. or honestly, get in contact with me. (laughs) Uh, I I am uh, very approachable. So do reach out to me if you have any feedback or ideas, either to me or directly to to the team. Uh, The email is info at thenewsroom.ai. It is an email uh, account that we do check. So we do get back to you um so definitely either website or linkedin or getting in contact directly
0: Great. Thank you so much, Jenny, uh, for being on this show. It's been such a pleasure. Please make sure to follow Jenny on on LinkedIn and to check the website from um, the newsroom. It is really, really interesting. And I think we could have this conversation probably for much, much longer, but we're coming to an end now. So I'm just left to say a very, very, very big thank you to you for taking the time to be part of the Brain Fruits podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure.